0: welcome everybody to this episode of bucking the trend podcast my name is dylan piccolo i am your co-host joined by andrew goodman andrew i want you to first of all take a second and pat yourself on the back for dealing with me and my nasally voice as i'm dealing with this cold and brutal wisconsin weather this weekend
1: (laughs) oh man you just stay indoors man crank up the heat and drink some gatorade you should be good
0: absolutely
1: i can't complain out here because right now in arizona it's about 55 degrees around 10 a.m so it's a lot warmer here than it is over there i can imagine
0: absolutely beautiful but this is going to be really cheesy but i also think wisconsin has the hottest team in the nba right now oh um, (laughs) i see what
1: you did there very punny
0: yeah very good um so we're here to recap a little bit of the Bucks versus Timberwolves game that was on Saturday night. Uh, the Bucks did not come out uh, very strong defensively, whatsoever. Um, but they eventually held on to win one forty to one twenty eight. Andrew, um, the beginning of the game defensively was not very good uh, from the Bucks. I mean, it took them one hundred and forty points to beat Minnesota. Um, what, what defensively kind of stood out to you?
1: Well, you know, like you said, they just came out defense defense, optional for the Bucks. It was very strange. It kind of looked like they didn't really get up to play the Timberwolves, you know, a team that's struggling. But, you know, it's the NBA. It's unpredictable. You never know who's going to bring it on each night. So I think there was a little of that going on. And also, I noticed the Bucks were switching a lot more, especially after Anthony Tolliver hit a multitude of three-pointers. The Bucks sort of changed their defense a little bit, and it took about three and a half quarters for them to get Locked in defensively, and I think you know, as per usual, point guard Eric Bledsoe really helped sort of t- change the tide and you know help the Bucks lock down the Timberwolves for the final stretch and secure the win.
0: For sure, it was a kind of a combination between Derrick Rose and Tolliver that. Really, kind of put the game into limbo for the Bucks at a certain point. Rose with twenty three and Tolliver with seventeen, as you mentioned, he had five threes on the night, so that was pretty uh, pretty big off the bench for them, getting forty points um, just off of those two guys. Um, I thought defensively that the problem would be is the are the Bucks able to get stops? Uh, I thought I tweeted it off of uh, the Bucking the Trend account and. I believe that the Bucs needed to play defense to win the game, but turns out I was wrong because this is the new 2019 Bucks, and if they need to put up 140 to win, they're going to do it.
1: <laughs> right, and it's weird when you look at how many points Minnesota scored each quarter. The first is scored 32, second they came back with 38, and the third they scored 39, but then you get to the fourth quarter and they only scored 19 to Milwaukee's 33, which is really the difference in the game. But you know, like they say, better late than never. So
0: I I thought thought it was Middleton. Go ahead. Yeah.
1: I also thought Chris Middleton that spurt he had a thirteen straight points where it looked like Minnesota was starting to, you know, build a little lead, quote unquote. Chris Middleton really helped, you know, stabilize things, hit some shots to help the Bucs propel to victory.
0: Well, it's massive, and we said it on the last podcast, and I'm gonna continue to say it to the end of the game. Right now the Bucs are in a trial process with this new roster with Miritich. They're going to have to figure out some things, but they're good enough to win these games however way they need to. And and I like I said also, it's another notch on their belt. You know, you don't play well defensively, but you can still win a game. How v- important is that experience? I mean, obviously you're talking about the Timberwolves who probably aren't going to be a playoff team. So, you have to take that with a grain of salt but being able to do this against an, an NBA team just kind of shows me that if it comes to the playoffs and they need to put up a big number they can put up a big number
1: right and you look at their stats they shot 52%, 52 52.6% from the floor 44.2% from deep they made 19 threes they only missed one free throw they were 21 to 22 they only turned 11 they only turned the ball over 11 times and they had 28 assists so when you look at that you would have thought oh hey the bucks probably should have won this game by at least 20. But, you know, like I said earlier in the, in the broadcast, NBA is the NBA and it's really unpredictable. And I think that's what makes the NBA so special as a sport.
0: I want to talk a little bit about Miritich to be specific. Um, a game hot, uh, or for the, off the bench for the Bucks, 17, seven 11 from the floor. They definitely were not having any problem getting him the rock to shoot it. um, are we seeing Miritich kind of evolve into that sixth starter for the Bucks?
1: <laughs> yeah, you know, that's an interesting point that you bring that up because if you look at the other players for the Bucks bench, Ursan was great with 13, but other than that, you have Sterling Brown with four points. George Hill didn't score. Pat Connaughton didn't score. Neither did Tony Snell. So Ursan and Sterling Brown combined for 17, and Miritich scored 17 by himself. So anytime you have a player off the bench that can come in Hit threes. She was three of six, seven, eleven from the floor overall. It's just huge, and the addition of Nikola Mirotic is just going to propel this Bucks team to whole new heights. And like you said, six starter off the bench. I think that's a perfect way to
0: label it. And we almost had a confirmation about DJ Wilson's minutes um, moving forward. Another DNP yeah. for DJ. Um, hopefully. Uh, you know, as we transition here to talk about the Bucks next game against the Bulls, uh, which we're recording this on Monday morning. So tonight, Giannis is going is doubtful as of right now with knee soreness, uh, I think as well as George Hill without with another injury. Um, so we might be seeing DJ Wilson tonight, perhaps Christian Wood. Um the Bucks have been without Giannis a handful of times this season, um, and it's always been a kind of a noteworthy game for one way or another. Um, obviously, the Bulls are not very good, but they just beat up on a Celtics team, so you obviously have to go in there prepared. So, any thoughts about Giannis's absence and how they're going to be able to go into Chicago and handle the Bulls?
1: Well, you know, let me put it on the record that I hate the Chicago Bulls. Number one. And number two, anytime you're without the best player in basketball, obviously it's somewhat of a concern. But, you know, this is a game that you're totally okay with him missing. Obviously Giannis' health is of the utmost priority, so not really bothered by it. But you see the last time these two teams played, Milwaukee came away with the 112-99 victory also in Chicago. But I feel the last few seasons, no matter how good or how bad the Bulls are, they always are sort of a thorn in the side to the Bucks, whenever they match up. I don't know what it is. But if you look at the Celtics, the last three wins have been pretty commanding. The Memphis, Orlando, and Boston. They don't take that for granted. Orlando's been playing better. They molly Boston. Zach Levine had 42. And for the Bulls, ever since they acquired Otto Porter Jr. from the Wizards, I thought that that's been a big boost to that team offensively and
0: defensively. Man, I wonder who they shipped out to get Otto Porter to make this huge change.
1: Right. Don't think they shipped out much to be honest with you. I think they <laughs> might have stolen. Um,
0: yeah. Well, you know, obviously the Bulls have kind of treated the Bucks like the baby brother over the past, I don't know, past 20 years. It's so been a
1: long, long time.
0: It's nice that the Bucks would kind of go in there and know that all right, without your best player, you still are, I believe it was an eleven point favorite for tonight. Uh, as I saw last, so the Bucks really don't have, in my eyes, many concerns other than kind of that little brother mentality that the Bulls kind of have, and I think that's an interesting mentality that the Bucs are going to kind of carry throughout the rest of the season, and I think it's obviously something that they have carried through so far through this season with kind of the lack of uh, belief in their extended playoff success uh, potential this year. I mean, and rightly so, obviously, because they haven't won a playoff series since 2001. Um, I just think it's kind of immature how people are kind of minimizing what this team is doing almost.
1: No, I agree. And like you said, that, you know, kind of embarrassing streak about not winning a playoff series. But how could you say that this Bucks team from this year compares in any way, shape or form to the Bucks team that last won a playoff series? I think that's pretty ignorant. And while you know you really can't ignore the streak, it's like you wa- have you wa- any people who say like, have you watched a minute of this Bucks team this season? Like, are you kidding me?
0: No, they're just I- they're
1: just running through the NBA. No matter who it is, mediocre teams, bad teams, elite teams, they're just running through whoever they play home on the road. You know, even throw them in a neutral court, <laughs> I'm sure they'd still freaking kill their opponent.
0: No, seriously, I mean, let's just put this into perspective for you here the bucks have last lost two out of three games from december 1st to december 7th is the last time they've lost two games within three of three attempts
1: yeah they haven't even lost consecutive games this season and i don't think they're gonna do it all year i mean unless you know they lock up the seating (laughs) down the stretch and you know they rest a bunch of starters i guess that would be the case but then even then that would have a big asterisk Next to it. So when you look at what the Bucks are doing this season, how do you not feel comfortable picking them to be the favorite coming out of the company
0: I think it's a recency bias. I, not not a recency bias. I think it's a "what have you done for me lately" bias. And I think it's people choose and people pick what they're comfortable with. I mean, you could think about it in anything. I mean, if we're talking about food, if you're driving down the interstate and there's a restaurant that you've been to your whole life or somewhere that you haven't been. Research says that you're going to stop at the place that you're comfortable with reliability. And that's just how people work and operate. It takes forward thinking people to kind of search for that next thing. And when you look at what bat, what I'm not going to say all basketball people, I'm going to say some basketball people, they're afraid to try that new thing. And, you know, (laughs) yes, it, may, you know, ha- doing the same thing over and over again can sort of be unhealthy, and it's frankly wrong at some points. And you look at the Bucks, and if they get to the Eastern Conference Finals, I mean, I know Twitter's been wound up daily after every national media person says a comment that somewhat slanders the Bucks. It's up in arms. And I, for one, and I said this earlier, someone questioned, you know, what I thought about it. I like it. I like that Bucks fans are being active on social media and defending their team. You haven't had this in so long.
1: Yeah, it's like a rally the troops sort of moment.
0: Right. And you don't have to give in. You're not fueling the fire to them. You're showing that you give a damn. You know why Celtics fans? You know why they talk about the Celtics and the Patriots? Because their fans give a damn about the organization. Oh, exactly. They have a huge following. And it's like, why would you not want to talk about your team to national media? Because that helps you so much, so so much. You're talking about free agents. You're talking about anything. I mean, you think that an- the box were on Anthony Davis's list before all of this crap started happening with the Bucks before the arena, before Giannis? I doubt it, it. It highly, it
1: highly doubt
0: it. It wasn't. I mean, the hype that these that you can build for this team as a fan, it's it's unbelievable.
1: Yeah, you know, it's funny. I'm totally okay with Mark lazary getting that tampering fine for those comments. And the only reason my conspiracy on this, the only reason why he got fined for that, is because Laker fans were just completely up in arms when they saw this comment made by Mark Lazary. Completely up in arms. Oh, if this was if this was Magic Johnson, he'd get a lifetime ban from the NBA. So
0: it's ridiculous. I mean, I think people, and I don't really know what to think about it either because. I've never been around a team that th- is this good in basketball. So, what you know, it's you don't really know how to react to it, but I just react to it. It is be excited, Bucks Nation, because this team is damn special. Every statistic says they're damn special, and you just got to run with it,
1: right? Exactly. You got to enjoy the ride while you can, and while looking ahead. Do you feel that seeding is more important for the playoffs, or just the fact that you secure
0: home court? Home court. Yeah, I think I home agree with court, you for sure. I think home court's just so important for the Bucks because I think they're a different team when they're at home. I think obviously on the road they're gr- they're good enough to succeed, but I also think that you go against a guy like Kyrie, Kawhi. I would even say Jimmy Butler because I don't think. Or oh, Embiid or Simmons is going to be taking that last shot in seven, in Philadelphia. That's kind of what I'm afraid of is those games. But you take care of your business at home; you're in good shape. I mean, right.
1: they've only lost five games at home this season so far, and exactly. one of them was to the Phoenix Suns, which is completely bizarre. But
0: <laughs> absolutely, yeah. And I don't know, but I, I think the Bucks are in good shape, and I know we're going to talk about. I mean, it's probably a good time to transition to it the upcoming schedules for these teams that are kind of in that one through five hierarchy. And I'm going to throw the Pacers in there because they've earned it. They've earned being oh, in there until this point. And you know what? I am a huge Pacers fan because if the Pacers can keep that three seed and you can knock out either Philadelphia or Boston in the first round, by all means, please, please. And thank you.
1: Or would you want a first round four or five Boston, Philadelphia bloodbath?
0: No, that's what I'm saying. That's what I'm saying. Have if Indiana finishes three, then you have a four oh, or five, Philadelphia, okay, yeah. Boston. Could and you then, imagine
1: some of the takes flying around Twitter if those two oh, teams matched
0: up in the first would, round? It would be great. It would be like it's just like watching your two rivals just beat the crap out of each other and you just are just watching it. <laughs> You're just slow clapping. Thank you, more, more, more. <laughs> um, but Truthfully speaking, if you do look at the rest of the schedule, the Bucks have the twenty seventh uh, worst, uh, least uh, tough schedule by strength of schedule. They have the remaining opponents have a four six five winning percentage. Their toughest games are the Pacers, the Thunder, two times against the Sixers, Rockets, and the Jazz. So we're not even really talking about that many division matchups left uh, for the Buc- or excuse me, Eric. Inter- conference matches left for the Bucs either.
1: Right. And I think for the Bucs, this uh, last West Coast road swing of their season is going to be pretty telling. They'll play the Lakers, the Suns, the Jazz, and the Kings. And all those games are tough on the road. And that's really the last road trip before the Bucs, you know, get into the playoff, playoff push mode.
0: Yeah. I think definitely this week, the Friday, Saturday match, the Lakers, and then coming back the next night against Utah is going to be very tough. Um we've seen the Bucks go out, have back to backs before. Um I don't think we've seen them go against teams quite as talented as this, at least in, in a little bit. Um I know in December they had a back to back with the Celtics and the Heat. And I mean we all remember that Heat game. Oh, that it was, was ugly. It was absolutely dreadful. So uh, you know, if the Bucs go out there and they take down the LeBron-led Lakers in a big game on ESPN on Friday night, uh, <laughs> you got to be careful for that Utah game because it, that kind of has some, you know, interesting similarities to the Miami game. Although, you know, the Bucks have had problems with Miami in the past and they kind of have more of a rapport with stopping Giannis.
1: Right, and I think it's interesting because the so they also don't fare very well in Utah. The last few times they've gone to Utah, they just gotten absolutely smacked.
0: Yeah, I, I don't know what happens in Utah, and but this is a different Bucs team also, so True. I guess you have to, <laughs> you have to consider that. Um, I think, you know, and you look at the rest of the schedule going forward, uh, if you're t- looking at the real marquee games, I mean... Sunday the 17th against the 76ers is going to be huge um, ABC game. And I will be credentialed for that game. So hopefully we'll, well have.
1: congratulations. My,
0: yeah, we'll have. Uh, it's my first one. So I'll be joining you and the club. A, A, A. And <laughs> um, hopefully I'll have some uh, cool audio and some video that we'll be able to push out on social and maybe incorporate with the podcast afterwards. So. That'll be uh, definitely exciting to do. Um, but yeah, that'll be one of the big marquee games. And then they actually go to the Philadelphia on April 4th for a TNT game uh, on a Thursday night there. I also think they have, correct me if I'm
1: wrong, but there's a Saturday primetime ABC. I think it's Bucks-Philly. That might be one of the last games of the season. Uh... Or at least I
0: thought so. Well, that's the primetime Sunday game. Oh, that's a Sunday game. Yep, that 17th oh, okay. game is the prime time game. I'm, so they have the Lakers in prime time. I know they have the 76ers twice in prime time, and then I'm actually thinking that last game of the season against Oklahoma City. Um, despite I don't know if that it could be flexed potentially to a national TV game, depending on obviously seating and if there's right. a you know a playing game like that we had last year with Minnesota and Denver that could trump it and take precedent. But in terms of the other teams, um, their strength of schedule, I just kind of wanted to talk about that for a little bit. Um, Toronto has a 20 has 29th strength of schedule. The Philadelphia has the 22nd and Boston has the eighth toughest. So, Interesting uh, stretch. I know we broke it up, and you took the Pacers and the Raptors. Any highlights from those schedules that you want to touch on?
1: Well, looking at the Raptors, they actually play Boston tomorrow in Toronto. That game's on TNT, and then they play Portland on March 1st. Then they have to play Houston on the 5th, and all these are home games. They have a game at Cleveland, which is on TNT for some reason, oddly enough. Then they also play the Lakers, but that's at home on the 14th. And then they have a home road set with the thunder from the 20th of March and the 22nd. And that really looks to be their last tough stretch of the season is the 20th to the 22nd. You know, after that, they play Charlotte, Chicago, New York, Chicago again, Orlando, Brooklyn, Charlotte, Miami, and they close out with Minnesota. So you know this Bucks Sixer, or, or excuse me, Bucks Raptors, you know jousting for the one seed is really going to come down to the last day of the season or last week, per se.
0: And hopefully, it ends up in our favor uh, yes. as the number one seed. Uh, with that, because that would be absolutely massive. And I just want to double check. So uh, finals seed uh, home court advantage is overall record, correct? I believe for the finals. I believe that's how it is.
1: I, you know, I think that's how they moved. It's, they just changed it. What was it? Uh, last year was the first year they did it.
0: Yep. Cause wasn't it all-star for a little bit or was that just for baseball?
1: Mm, no, ba- you know, baseball. They, I think baseball finally got rid of that dumb rule that the winner, the team winner of the that was ridiculous. all-star game gets home field.
0: Yeah. Like who thought that would be a, a, a huge <laughs> advantage in the world series is decided by a bunch of guys on, Crappy teams that don't give it a half, you know. <laughs> I know, seriously, though. Really? I mean, who would have thought? I mean, some world series could be changed if you look at like the They're really good easily, I'm sure. If you really broke it down, but I'm sure there's another podcast for that. <laughs>
1: yeah, no, we'll stick you, to Bucks basketball here.
0: Yeah. Uh, if you look at the 76ers, um, like I said, they have a pretty tough schedule. Uh, the third or the second toughest of the five four teams we're chronicling outside of the box. they played actually a pretty marquee home game on Saturday night on ABC against the Warriors. So that should be a very good game, actually, to watch. Um, just if you're a basketball fan, to see how those four all-stars and the five all-stars from the Warriors kind of go against each other. And, you know, you can really see that the Philadelphia is not necessarily all the way there yet either. No, with there because I don't think they really got all the way there with Jimmy Butler came in. No, not at all.
1: They still, they, I still see people on Twitter saying, well, who's going to guard Joel Embiid on the perimeter? Joel Embiid's a 20 to 30% three point shooter. Like I'll let him shoot threes all day.
0: That's such a misconception. People are like, oh, Joel Embiid can really space the floor. It's like, no, dude, he's pretty much Giannis from three-point shooting. And probably worse than Giannis, to be yeah, honest.
1: Speaking of Giannis and three-point shooting, I'm positive he's got his three-point percentage up around the mid-30s now.
0: For the season?
1: After that game against Minnesota, yeah. His three-point let's shooting is up there now. I mean, let's don't see. look now.
0: Let's, oh, 24%. but
1: Or maybe it was that stretch. The stretch of games...
0: Well, I know he's better than Steph Curry this month. So
1: hey, there you go. But, all right. That's but, what I was alluding to. So
0: Giannis is the best shooter of all time. Deal, deal. Works for me. <laughs> You're
1: better than Curry, better than Ray Allen, better than Drazen Petrovic.
0: Yeah, Reggie Miller, all of them. Um, and then we look at Boston, who has the toughest schedule remaining. Um, I'll just list off some games that they're gonna have Raptors, Portland, Rockets warriors kings lakers kings nuggets sixers spurs pacers pacers magic wizards i mean that's over half of their games left they don't have they don't have many walkovers they have a couple hawks games they play brooklyn even so that's probably could be a loss i mean they play miami and uh two times in three nights so Trust me, folks. Boston is going to come stumbling into the playoffs, and it's going to be either Kyrie Irving helps him or Kyrie Irving hurts him. Because based off watching that game again, that Thursday night game, the first one after the All Star break, they cannot win if Kyrie dribbles that much. It's impossible.
1: I mean, Kyrie. Kyrie's great. Obviously, Kyrie's a fantastic playmaker. He's got. I think he has the best handles in basketball. But I mean. You know, basketball is a team game, which is why, the you know, the Milwaukee Bucks have thrived this season.
0: Exactly.
1: Well, I just want to talk, touch on the Bucks schedule one more time. The thing is, when you're the best team in basketball, there's a big, big target on your back. So all these, you know, sub 500 teams like the Bulls and Cleveland, you know, they're going to want to go into these games and, you know, beat you because beating the Bucks now is an impressive thing, believe it or not.
0: And it's a pretty statement win because the Bucks just blow teams out. If you lose the Bucks close, it's pretty much a solid yeah, for It's a you. moral victory <laughs> because they're beating teams by ten plus, no problem. You, you saw them falter a little bit against Minnesota. They win by twelve at the end. I mean, if if the Bucks have it up seven with two minutes to go, I trust that they're going to close it. To be honest, at this point, I I think that. I trust Giannis is going to make the right decision. And I trust everyone around him that they're going to hit good shots. I trust Mike Budenholzer that they're going to put him in positions to get those good shots. It's three levels. You have three levels of trust on any team and you're going to have success.
1: Right. I agree with you. And if you look back on the buck schedule and you look at who their last worst loss was where Giannis played, you have to go all the way back to December 22nd. It was that, you know, that heat game that we don't want to talk about, the 94-87 loss, that is really the last worst loss the Bucks have had. And that was December 22nd, which is a long time ago.
0: It's a period of excellence that is unfathomable. Like from last year, the turnaround that we've seen from this team, the trust that they've built with their fan base is It's unbelievable. They deserve a pat on the back from the top down, from the ownership to John Horst, to Mike Budenholzer, to the players, to everyone involved with it. They've done a fantastic job this season. And I I hope they go far because it's definitely a fun story and it's something different. And I think the NBA is craving it as much as these national media networks don't think that they want to.
1: (laughs) I want to ask you something. Very, very important question. What happens if we get a Bucks Pistons one eight seed matchup? Is this gonna be the series where Thon Maker averages 20 points, 10 rebounds, 15 assists, and six blocks? And they sweep the
0: Bucks. <laughs> Gosh, I mean the Thon Maker Revenge series. If that happened, I think the Bucks would have to move to Seattle. Yeah, I, oh I think goodness. that would be it. I, I just I don't know if I could handle it. Um it it would be real tough on uh, Buck Nation for something like that to happen. Uh, yeah i I don't even know i i don't I don't think I would want to play the pit. Who would you want to play? Is it who would you least like to play as an eight seed from the teams that are vying for that? Uh, Honestly,
1: probably Charlotte. Charlotte. Yeah, Charlotte,
0: Charlotte Detroit, me. Orlando, Miami, Washington, maybe.
1: I would throw in Charlotte, Charlotte or Miami. Miami's done a good job at stopping Giannis, you know, in previous games, but the Bucs will have the advantage of home court and probably not playing on a back-to-back where you have to travel from Boston to Miami overnight. So we have to throw that into it. But for some odd reason, I feel like the pesky Hornets, they always give the Bucks
0: some sort of, you know, fits whenever they meet up, so. It's Kemba, but I think they kind of figured out Kemba last game and tried to force him to hit that mid-range yeah. a little bit more, um, which they've been really doing a good job to all point guards that like to shoot threes, really been pushing them, funneling them into Lopez uh, so he can make plays at the rim, which he's been doing a great job of his rim <laughs> protection. I mean, Thonmaker, who Brooke Lopez has been more of a consistent rim protector than Thonmaker has, to be honest right. with you. You know, really. it's...
1: It's funny because we're talking about the Bucks. Who would you least want to play as a one seed facing an eight seed? When in previous years, you know, we were, oh, we're the eight seed. Who would you least like to play as a one seed or maybe move up to the seven or six seed? So,
0: yeah, I mean, look, Brooke Lopez is averaging two block, 2.1 blocks a game. And we have, we're second in the league in, in blocks, a 9.8% growth since last year.
1: Also, that technical foul called on him after he just totally dunked oh, on Dario Saric was so soft.
0: It's... It's... It was... But I will take
1: day. that technical 20 times out of 20. It's sure. like,
0: too bad... I mean, Sean Cab, dude, he was like pointing at him like, <laughs> you fool! <laughs> you peasant! Yeah, Brooke Lopez makes one thing. Whatever. But... Funny. It's crazy. Um. All right. Well, I think we're going to wrap it up here. Our second episode of Bucking the Trend. Yeah. I want to thank everyone for tuning in. We're on a bunch of new platforms now, um, which is absolutely awesome. If you're here to listen, um, just a couple of them. Stitcher, uh, Spotify, Google Podcasts, mm-hmm. um, not iTunes yet, though, not iTunes Still working on that, working on iTunes. Um. Radio Public, Breaker, so we're everywhere. So if you look up Bucking the Trend, please subscribe and follow on your favorite network. Um, also check out our social media, at Bucking the Trend Pod on Twitter. We have uh, we live-tweet games, have some cool content when we're there. And, um, yeah, I, we love having you listen, so thank you. Yeah,
1: and, you know, we'll be back on tomorrow with a special guest to preview the Bucks and Kings
0: game upcoming. Absolutely. So I want to thank everyone for listening. If you want to follow Andrew on Twitter, you can follow him at
1: Andrew G underscore NBA.
0: And you can follow me at DP double underscore hoops. I want to thank you for listening. Have a fantastic rest of your Monday and go Bucks!